Hey, everyone. Um, real quick before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to share that um, in the episode today, we talk about how um, every church is made of people. Yeah. And so what happens is, is every church has its issues. Yeah. Um, so Ryan does talk about an experience that he had as a child. Um, that does not mean that the denomination that he was in is to be blamed for that situation. Right. Um, so we just wanted to be clear because we love everybody and it doesn't matter what denomination we're in. Right. We are all one. We are the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, we just happen to also be human, which is a little stinky sometimes. Yes, it's true. <laughs> all right. So let's get started. Welcome to Raw, Rebelliously Authentic Worship, where we throw religion out the window. And today we are going to have our very first guest conversation with Ryan. And Ryan is going to talk to us a little bit about accountability and hypocrisy within the church and how that had an effect on him not wanting to go to church. And I'm sure it has an effect on a lot of our listeners too. Yeah. Hey, Jess. Hey, Marky. Guess what? What? We have our first guest today. I'm so excited. Every fifth Tuesday, yep. we are going to have a guest. And today's guest is Ryan. Hello. <laughs> There's a guy on the podcast, guys. Boogie, boogie, boogie. <laughs> so, Ryan. Yes. Tell us about you. Okay, so yeah, name's Ryan. We've established that. Um, I guess you're wondering about credentials. So yeah. uh, I have a Master of Arts in History with a Religious Studies minor. And um, I've been going to church full-time since I was probably about 18, 32 now. So we're talking, <laughs> I wish we had video, guys. We're talking 14 years. I'm very demonstrative when I talk, which does not come across well on a podcast. <laughs> so it sounds monotone. Yes. Just because you can't that's see his emotions. That's also me. <laughs> that's also me. I'm just monotone. <laughs> it's fine. He'll be funny enough to uh, make probably it This will be the, probably be the first episode people fall asleep during. Oh my gosh. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. So why didn't you like going to church growing up? So this is probably actually one of my favorite stories to tell. Um, so growing up, we, my family lived, like, I was born in Allentown, but we lived in Northampton uh, since I was the age of five. And we went to this one church, and I'm not going to say the name, I'm not going to say the location, doesn't matter. But I will say the denomination. It was Methodist. And not, it wasn't always a Methodist church. It started out as a Wesleyan church. And for people who don't know, Wesleyan churches are very, it's like, it's Catholic without the Latin. It's like, <laughs> religious. It's religious. very, you know, by the book, you yeah. follow the rules, you go to heaven. So they wouldn't like our podcast. Probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I was probably about, let's say probably six or seven, we would go, but my mom had to get three kids ready yeah, for church in the morning. Yeah. Which doesn't happen. You don't show up on time when you have three kids. Yeah. I know that. So, <laughs> yes, you do. So we would get there mm -hmm. and nine o'clock. If your kids were not in Sunday school by eight fifty nine, doors were shut. Go sit in big church. Ooh. Oh, wow. Can you imagine if I had done that? Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So nine o'clock, doors shut, go sit in big church. So every every Sunday we showed up. Nine oh one, nine oh two, whatever, whatever we could get to get there. Yeah. And st- so they would say, "No, go sit in big church." Okay. So here's my mom with the three kids sitting in the pew. Yeah. We weren't misbehaving. We weren't, you know, talking loud. We weren't laughing. We were being good, studious churchgoers. Yeah. But all the old school religious folk would look at my mom and see three children and be like, why aren't they in Sunday school? Yeah. Judgment. Yeah. A whole lot of judgment. Like, why aren't they in Sunday school? It's like, because... Three kids. What at once? Like, <laughs> yeah. Talk to him up there. Yeah. The guy with the with the robe about why we couldn't go to Sunday school. So eventually, it got to the point where elders, you know, shocking elders of the church, told the priest that they need to be in Sunday school. So the priest told my mom they have to be in Sunday school, and she's like, "Well, then let us show up later." Like, yeah. and be give, us, give us some grace, yeah. And the answer was, get here earlier. <laughs> the answer was, I'm sorry, grace doesn't exist here. There is yeah. no grace. <laughs> yeah. Get here earlier. This is a Methodist church. Go try that with the non-denominations. Um, so my mom's like, all right. Said some words that she probably shouldn't say to a priest. <laughs> and we stopped going to church. And wow. it was, it, it was one of those things where, you know, we stopped going. Yeah. And as we got older, we never went to church. So there was never that drive to go. Yeah. Yeah. So my last memory of going to church was you have to go to church. Right. Oh, wow. And me being the person that I am, whenever I have to do something, I don't <laughs> want to do it. I mean, most of us at all are that anymore. way. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, then that was, I stopped going probably about the age of seven or eight to, the age of 18. So what made you start going back? Because clearly you went back. Like, like most teenage boys who start going to church, it was because of a girl. It was a girl. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The woman I'm married to now. So that'd be a lesson. Um, It was, it was one of those things. And it was, it's actually really fun circumstances because I was working at a restaurant at the time and I worked Sundays. I worked Fridays. I worked Saturdays. I worked Sundays. Yeah. Because that's when you got the most money, I'm sure. No. Oh, really? No, society didn't deem my job tip worthy, so oh, I never actually. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's, it's not a bitter subject. Bad assumption. <laughs> but no, I uh, I wasn't even allowed to ask for tips. I had uh, I could have a jar unmarked, and if people put money in there, fine. What I always found was straw wrappers and various other <laughs> forms gun. of garbage. <laughs> so I never, I never actually got like real tips from there, but I worked Friday nights from four to 12 Saturdays from, uh, I started at 12 to five. No, no. Fr- uh, Saturdays were also four to 12 and then Sundays were 12 to five. I couldn't go to church because church at that point, um, it ended at like one yeah like yeah. it was because yeah. my wife was involved and she went to both services so it was a thing yeah so i, I couldn't that. i couldn't wake up 
you know, I went to work, I went to work till midnight the night prior. So I couldn't wake up early to go. Yeah. And we started dating in October of 2008. And so she, she was actually going to break up with me about a month later <laughs> because I couldn't go to church. And she's like, it's, it's so important yeah. that he goes to church and he's not. And I don't know if I can make this work, Yeah, but for some reason, and you can tell this was God, but for the end of that month, I talked to my boss. And I'm just like, Hey, listen, I really want to start going to church with my girlfriend. Can I switch my work hours that is to so where cool. I do four to 12 on Friday, 12 to nine on Saturday and no work on Sunday. Yeah. And they're like, all right, fine. So I just, I did that without even talking, without even talking to her. I just did that. And then I said, Hey, I switched up my work hours. And she's like, Oh, so you can go to church now? Like, yeah. Every Sunday. She's like, Oh, okay. And that staved off the breakup for a while. <laughs> it's been 14 years now. So it's a long while. She's stuck. <laughs> We got married and I anchor babied. Boom. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's interesting is that, you know, now that I've been going to church, you know, for a, you know, near half my life. Yeah. I, you know, I've been privy to some information, you know, between being congregant and also, you know, having known people that were on staff and all that. In the kitchen. And, I call that in the kitchen. Yeah, in the kitchen. Getting yeah. to know the cooks and everything. Yeah. And so it's and it's interesting because I always saw what the priest did to my mom. Yeah. As a very hypocritical thing to yes. do. Yeah. Like you know, like Jesus didn't turn away people who were late. No. Not like, at all. <laughs> like he didn't. Like he didn't, like he wouldn't. Who were late, <laughs> right? Like who, like yeah. Who's early to temple? Let's be honest. <laughs> um, and they walked. They walked back then. Like yeah. we lived. I mean, in retrospect, yes, we could have gone up a little earlier. We could have. We only lived like a four minute drive from the church. Yeah. But that's not the point. It's not the point. Um, the point was the priest didn't go about it the right way. Not it wasn't a. What can we do to help you guys be on time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a figure it out. Yeah. Which was a very Wesleyan way of going about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, and that was the thing is that, like, you learn very quickly, at least with that regard, that there's a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of hypocrisy that, yeah. you know, comes from that, you know. And that turns people away. Yeah, because the thing is, like, you'll read, if you read the Bible, like, at face value, you learn all these, like, wonderful, amazing things that Jesus did out of pure love and yeah. caring. And then you see his representative, you know, yeah. in full ceremonial garb <laughs> right, saying, I don't like what you're doing, fix it. Yeah, yeah. And that's not how Jesus went about things. Like, yes, you and your spirit will be like, oh, yeah, I got to fix that. Yeah. But it's never a figure it out yeah. on your own. Yeah. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah. I think it's important to note that um, because people make up churches, yeah. there will always be some mess within yeah. the church. There will oh, always be some hypocrisy. Um, and I'm saying that because I think, you know, 
part of our next note here is talking about, you know, um, making sure that we're accountable to study outside of church. Right. Right. And so the reason you can say that is because you spent time looking at Jesus's life and this is how he responded to people. Mm-hmm. He loved people. He was not being legalistic with people. Right. Yeah. right. And you never, and, and it's funny because most of the new Testament, when you're talking about Jesus or even reading about what he's done, maybe 5% of it, he's in temple. Yeah. The rest of it is all him in the 40 days in the right. wilderness out, you know. He did ministry right. outside of temple. Yes. <laughs> Same thing we're called to do, right? Yeah. Because right. we say all the time on the podcast that the people are the church. Right. Yeah. And that's what it's supposed to be. And if you alienate the people, you don't have a church. And, yeah. <laughs> and and I think, um, unfortunately, yes, the Bible does say, like, don't forsake the gathering of your people. Yeah. Absolutely. But people, yeah. people have now put that on a pedestal of being this is how i commune with god yeah right is by going to church right Right. and i have been a major proponent and even telling you know some youth in the church like the bible calls for us to consume daily bread yes not the pastor's weekly leftovers right right like and i asked i asked the kids i'm like can you eat once a week and survive. No. Like, no. Yeah. So why do you think you can consume the Bible once a week and think you're good? Yeah. Yeah. Like you need that daily bread because you know, you know, let's say you know the pastor is serving out sardines oh. every week. <laughs> every, like, like, like say like he's serving out sardines every week, and you're just like, oh, okay, I don't like sardines. Yeah. It may work for him. Yeah. He may get the nutrients he needs out of that. You're like, oh, I need something else. And then one day he serves up steak and you're like, oh, finally, yes. <laughs> yeah. Finally, I get the nutrients that I need. Yeah. And then the next week it sardines again. You're like, I can't. Yeah. But if you're feeding yourself every day something new. Right. Then you're getting that nutritional value of everything, not just the weekly leftovers. Right. right. And, you know, you have a bad day. The next day you you read something else and. It fixes what happened the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Like it what is if, relevant to us because God is working through the scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's to it's, speak to us. Yeah. It's alive. The word mm-hmm. of God is alive and it's breathing. And, and so it is speaking to whatever situation you're in. Right. But if you don't open it up and read it first. And, exa- and what happens if the person you're getting the weekly leftovers from has a bad week? Yeah. Because they're human beings. I and mean, Mark, you said that. And then you have that bad week now. Yeah. yeah. But you have like, and you know. We've all had some form of food where it didn't go down well. Yeah. <laughs> and so what do you do? What do you do? You, do you just suffer until your next meal? Like, no, you eat crackers. You drink ginger ale. Like yeah. You, yeah. you do things to make yeah. you feel better. You know what that reminds me of? What? Did I tell you that I am violently allergic to gondolas? I, 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 I think you are. told me that. Gondolas are pigeon peas. And so it is in a lot of uh, Spanish rice. And so I found this out mm-hmm. on my way home from my, at the time, future sister-in-law's house mm-hmm. in my car. It was great. <laughs> oh, in um, your car. But to your point, you're not just right. going <laughs> to, sorry. <laughs> you get a good word, though. It comes out like that, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and that's, and that's the thing is that I've, I've made a point of just, like, 
make sure that you take the time, you know, even you know, just a little bit of time every day to get that daily bread. Yeah. So now, you're not dependent on weekly leftovers. Now, this is not in our notes. No. Um, you already know where I'm going? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is not in your notes. Um, but as you're talking about daily bread, not weekly leftovers, um, there are a lot of times where people lean on devotionals mm-hmm. instead of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that for a minute? Uh, I I love devotionals in the, you know, I feel like that would just be like the building blocks of what you, the thing is like you can read a devotional mm-hmm. and be completely offended by it. You can. But if you stay in that, being offended, it's not going to fix anything. What you do is you take that, you take that offending scripture or whatever, whatever that person said, do the research yourself. So okay. what you're saying is take it back to the source. Take it back to the source. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, my master's in history is really a master's in how to study history. Yeah. Right. So I learned yeah. that you can't read things all the time at complete face value because History is just a set of lies agreed upon. <laughs> and more or less. You know, there's, you know, I've also been a firm believer of there's three sides to every story. Absolutely. Side A, side B, and the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're only reading devotionals, you're only getting side A. Yeah. Yeah. When you read the Bible, you know, pick whatever translation you want. Except for New Living Translation, it's garbage. Oh. <laughs> what if I like that one? It's here. You hurt my feelings. Oh, yeah. You're going to lose a lot of people for that. <laughs> uh, but like you read the devotional, you're only getting point A. Yeah. You read the Bible, you're getting only point B. But somewhere between the two is the truth. Yeah. And you need to, and that's what, you know, takes daily bread to do. So the Bible is the truth. Do you want to explain that a little bit more? Because you said it's A and B and it, the Bible is B. So the Bible is the truth, but it's a translation. Right. It's, and it's every, yeah. every translation of the Bible, every translation of the Bible has the fundamental elements of truth. Right. But it's who, like whoever writes it, like is going to twist it to right. what their version of truth is at that season, which they wrote it. Yeah. So, so that's why a word study is deeper. Right. And, I mean, we are going deep into these little weeds, but I think it is important too because a word study and knowing um, not only what the actual word is and what it, but what it means and how relevant it is to the time. Right. Like, if it's is it relevant to um, Jesus's time where he was living at that moment when he said those words? What did he mean for those people? Right. And then how does it apply to us as our people? And again, we are going. Yeah. Uh, And word study is phenomenal because, you know, as painful as it is to say, English sucks. Yeah. The English language is a terrible thing. Because in the same says that every day. In the same sentence you could say I love Jesus and say I love tacos. Yeah. But it's not the same love. Yeah. At all. What? It's it's not. You you cannot love Jesus the same way you love Jesus. No, you can't. Um, And it's because, you know, we see, you know, and that's why, you know, strong concordance are like, I'm not going to endorse anything. So a concordance (laughs) or a biblical dictionary where it says the origin of the word and Mm -hmm. all the variations of that word. Because there's like 12 different versions of the word love in Hebrew. Yeah. And they all mean really specific things. Yeah. Uh, same goes for Greek. You know, with worship, there's like seven different words in Greek for worship, and yeah. it's like 
there's there's different kinds. There's the subdued, like I'm, I'm worshiping, and then there's the I'm screaming it from the mountaintops worship. Right. And so, like, and that's that's what the kind of thing you get with the daily bread of just yeah. studying. Yeah. And not just blindly reciting biblical verses that you get once a week. <laughs> yeah. Or looking for something that applies to your immediate uh, and taking things out of context is what I mean. Like looking for a verse that applies to your immediate situation and going, look, see, he's on my side and he is on your side, but maybe you should read before and after and get some context and look at your heart too. Right. Because there's, again, there's always two sides. Also, and I, I guarantee anyone listening to this, yeah, read a verse, any verse at all. Read any verse in the Bible. Read it again six months later. Yeah. They're completely different verses. Yeah. Because it's speaking to a completely different season in your life. Yeah. And and if you don't do that, then you're still going to just remember that one verse and apply it to that one situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like our little rabbit trail that we had here. Yes. It was a good rabbit trail. (laughs) We like trails. I think you have living sacrifice on here. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Um, living sacrifice. That's always a, an interesting thing because um, I always tie that more into uh, worship because naturally as humans, we don't like worshiping anything other than ourselves. Yeah. Um, and like a sacrifice, is, it's meant to be uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not meant to be a, I feel safe. It's a, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for him. Yeah. Because, you know, and I told this to the, to the youth too, that worship is a response to who God is. Yeah. Praise is a response to what he's done. Yeah. Or doing. And it's a hard concept for a lot of people to understand is that, you know, if someone, you know, the CEO of your company walks in, you're going to sit up a little straighter. It's a form of worship because you're in, it's, you're reacting to a to who that person is. But if somebody does a good job, you say, "Hey, good job." That's praise because you're it's a response to something that they've done. Yeah. So a living sacrifice is very it's a tricky situation for a lot of people because it's it's an uncomfortable thing. Like you have to be willing to sacrifice your time for you know someone who may be in need. Yeah. Or, you know, someone might, you know, be in need of like, just in need of anything. Yeah. And it's, it's a sacrifice and it's not meant to be comfortable. Yeah. And it's, it's, and if, uh, as far as I'm concerned, if your worship is comfortable, you're worshiping your comfort. Yeah. Which and, makes it an idol. Which yeah. makes it an idol. Yeah. As, you know, there's rules against that. <laughs> um, I really do wish we were on video. <laughs> but, yeah, living sacrifice is always it's very interesting. And Marky's brought up a good point where she's mentioned at some times that a living sacrifice can get off the altar. And it's hard for humans to take themselves off their own altar. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you see this a lot with churches too to tie in the hypocrisy of everything is that you get churches that have some that have become like their pastor or their leader or priest whatever you want to call them padre 
whatever, <laughs> are now bigger than the church themselves. Yeah. And you hear people, you know, in the news and everything, you hear names. Yeah. And it's blah, blah, blah from blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, you don't hear the church's names. You hear the person's names. Yeah. And, and they don't, they're putting themselves on that altar. Mm. And, you know, you see their, I'm not saying names again, but like, you see their books. It's literally a giant picture of their face and then the title in the lower third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and that's the thing is that it's because there's no pride there. Not at all. Not at all. And it's, it's that, it's that, you know who I am. So I don't need to explain who I am. And it's gotten to the point where they're not sacrificing really anything. And it's, like, uh, I'm not sure if I know what I'm <laughs> I think, I, think I, I see where you're going. And I think that it's um, when people put themselves on a platform and sometimes God can start out. I, I think people start out with good intentions. I always want to yeah. think that in my, my head and my heart, that people have the good intentions. And when they start a church, they have this, this good intentions of glorifying God and honoring him. Um, but people do put you on a pedestal. That's a natural thing in any situation, whether you're a CEO or whether you're um, a pastor, whatever it is, they put you there. Or whether so, you started a podcast, right? Yeah. They put you on a pedestal <laughs> and, and, but you have to remember it's not about you. Right. And, and that, I mean, that's something that's a constant thing and it's about God and, mm. and, and giving him the glory. And that's why it's a continual thing. Um, and once you, once you get comfortable with that attention, yeah. then it's you want more, then it's, <laughs> you want more and then it's no longer, it's a, trap. It, it's a sacrifice now to not get that attention. Yeah. And that's what I think a lot of, you know, at least, mega church yeah. preachers need to understand is that it's supposed to be about God. Yeah. Right. Oh, and when period. you are, I'm skipping ahead a lot. Right? Go fine. We jump all over the place all the time. Um, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, but anyways, it's like there used to be a time where, you know, preachers and everything needed, you know, private jets to go to places to, you know, do their mission. Yeah. But nowadays we have technology where you don't need that anymore. Yeah. But you still get, you know, mega church pastors that have multi-million dollar, you know, mansions and stuff like that. And I'm not, I'm not upset with them being blessed. No. Flat out. Like that's, that's a ridiculous thing to be upset about someone being blessed. Yeah. But your multi-million dollar house is your store. You know, bring your ties to the storehouse. Yeah. So, you know, you have your church. People are tithing. People are giving. That person goes broke. They're broke. They don't have money. They don't have anything. They lose everything. They're broke. Yeah. What do they have? Nothing. Preacher goes broke. Make a trick. Make a church preacher goes broke. What does he have? Million dollar house he could sell. Now he has million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. God's not impressed with your storehouse. Yeah. 
he's impressed with the fruit of your storehouse. Yeah. And so when it's a blessing to be a blessing to others and you're buying private jets, million dollar houses, what fruit are you giving? Yeah. And it's, I think that's a heart check too for them. And that, and I always, within pastors, I, I really think that they should be paid well. I think that they should be paid well more than that what they're paid in America. Um, and that's my opinion. But I, but again, what they do with their money, that's a heart check thing. That's mm-hmm. between them and God. I right. think that's absolutely between them and God. Um, but yeah, if, as going back to the living sacrifice and you can come off the altar, I do want you to talk a little bit about that, Marky, because you always say a living sacrifice can come off. They can get off the altar. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. We all crawl off on occasion, you know, when we see something that's more comfortable or something that's, um, more, I don't know, appetizing even. (laughs) We move away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's okay because we all do it. Yeah. But we have to crawl back on. Yeah. We have to crawl back on and be willing to be that living sacrifice to love people like, like Jesus wants us to. Yeah. Okay. So talking about Uh, crawling off the altar. Um, I found this quote by D.L. Moody, uh, which is what Ryan was referencing earlier. Um, It says this, it says the problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. Mm. Um, And you know, guys, that when, when we're looking towards something that we're excited about, we all have the tendency to crawl off, right? Yeah. Um, The temptations are different for everybody, but the reality is, is that we're still fighting the same liar that Adam and Eve fought at the beginning of time, right? From the garden. Um, the message Bible says it like this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Mm -hmm. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Because guys, when we crawl off the altar, God is calling us back. Yeah. And it's just so cool that he gives us that ability to be able to crawl back on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's so good. That's so good everyday life. Yeah. And I mean, it brings us right back into, into Ryan's notes here, being Jesus to others. Yeah. Which, um, that is probably the biggest sacrifice that any of us can make because obviously, you know, Jesus lived 2000 years ago. How do you relate to someone, you know, you've never met 2000 years ago when in reality we all met him because we've all read the scripture. We've read his words. Um, or variations of his words. and But the, the problem is, is that it's very uncomfortable to be Jesus to others. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it forces us to deny what makes us humans, which is our ability to be complete jerks to each other. <laughs> For the, you know, Again, I, I studied history, yeah. and history oh, is gosh. literally one big circle of people being jerks to each other and morons yeah. and... You know, yeah, and it's hard to be Jesus to others, especially ones you don't agree with, and even you know minor spats or whatever. Yeah, 
it's it's hard and like jesus did things that didn't make sense yes he did he did a lot of things that didn't make sense you know rode into town on a donkey no (laughs) king does that (laughs) a donkey is a working animal no yeah um you know jesus you know cursed fig trees like who, (laughs) who does that it didn't. Oh, it, that tree didn't have good fruit. Now it's never gonna give good fruit. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. Take that fig tree. <laughs> like that's. It's nuts. Like it's. It's. It, it borderlines psychosis. So what you're saying is we're all supposed to be nuts. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> then we're in the club. Right? We're all. The club. We're all supposed to be a little crazy, but crazy with love. Yes. Like there's yeah. there's a love to it, and you know. Jesus, it's all about the heart. Yeah, Jesus pointed out people's flaws. Yeah. Sure did. He, he pointed them out. But he also gave them an opportunity to recognize their own flaws. Yeah. Woman at the well had every opportunity to lie to Jesus. Yeah. And say, oh, yeah, I'll go get my husband. Fifth one. La, 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 la. <laughs> but she's like, no, I'm, I'm not married to that guy. And Jesus yeah. is like, ha, I gotcha. You're right. You're not married. Yeah. But he had every right to be, you know, to... Because the thing is, like, people realize, like, the woman at the well, she went during the middle of the day. Yeah. And there's, a like, everyone thinks of, you know, she went in the middle of the day so that she didn't have to be around people. It was the hottest part of the day. No, one got everyone got their water in the morning. Right. But you don't, like, a lot of people don't seem to realize is that, you know, in the desert, when everyone gets their water in the morning, all that's left is, in the middle of the day, dirty, muddy water. Hmm. So she, because of how religious people treated her, was perpetuating this idea of her being unclean Mm. by literally never being clean. Because she washed her, like, the rituals that led to cleanliness, a lot of them dealt with wash your clothes. Yeah. You can't wash your clothes with dirty water. water. Yeah. But that's all that she had. Yeah. And Jesus is like, and the way that the story goes is that, you know, it's drinkable water that he's talking about and all that. But if you look at the subtext of it, it's, she's readily consuming dirty water. Hmm. So she was probably always sick because hmm. we all drank dirty water at some point. Yeah. Montezuma's revenge, <laughs> lo, lo, lo. <laughs> but then you end up realizing that because of how other people were not Jesus to her, mm. it surrounded her entire life. It went far beyond water. It right. literally permeated into her very existence. Because you wash yourself with dirty water, you're not clean. Yeah, right. At all. But I think it's interesting, too, that the people, she didn't want to be on their people because they were condemning her mm-hmm. with the truth that they knew. But the, then Jesus, mm-hmm. instead of condemning her, he still said the truth mm-hmm. that he knew. Yeah. He still said the truth, but he did it in love and right. left her right there where she was. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's interesting that the the people, they were saying the same thing, but the way they were saying it was different. And not only that, but like you can you know how people think. I'm sure someone saw 
Jesus with her, be like, is she looking for number six? <laughs> lol, lol, lol. <laughs> that kind of thing. Like three times I've done that. I'm sorry. Yeah, you have. It's um, okay. It's your thing. It's my thing. <laughs> she says 100%. I say it. I she says absolutely. <laughs> so, I know my wife will probably be watching this and be like, oh, God, he did the lol, lol. Um, Four. <laughs> whoops. It's fine. But yeah, and that's the thing is that like we're supposed, we're called to be, you know, like minded in Christ. And I don't remember hearing or seeing another, like any instance of, Jesus flat out condemning anyone, anyone that right. didn't already condemn themselves. Yeah. Right. Cause she's like, no, yeah, I had five husbands and I'm just living with the guy now. He's not actually my husband. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Like, what are you going to do about that? Yeah. And then, um, what was I, I was going with something else on that. <laughs> Your brain. Yeah. It's long work day. Um, trust me I get it uh, also like in, you know being the bible to others I've I've told the youth again you know to reference them again that you know a lot of them it's it's hard being a Christian to use that term a, well, just let's just say a believer a Jesus lover a Jesus hey. lover <laughs> Jesus lover believer uh, yeah. not a term that I normally use um, <laughs> it's hard to be that when you're between the ages of, you know, school age. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it's, it's so hard. And I would love to tell them that it gets easier when you're becoming an adult, no. but adults also are stuck in their own ways as well. And I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but I, I told the I told the children, I'm like, be like, you might be the only translation of the Bible that anyone ever reads. Oh, that is so, so good. So are you a good one? Yeah. And or are you muddying the water? Are you muddying the water? Yeah, so or are good. you just a stick in the mud? Yeah. Right? Like yeah. we have an effect yeah. on people who are already right. drinking dirty water. Yeah. Right. With their words, with their actions, yeah. with their And so when you when you have those people, you know, you see them on the street corner screaming, Repent, you sinners, the world's coming to an end. Yeah. And like it's it's so funny because you know to tie back into the hypocrisy of it all, there's scriptures in the Bible that tell us specifically not to do that. Yeah, it says don't be like the, the world, <laughs> the hypocrites in the church that yeah. say, "Look at me, look at how holy I am." Whitewashed tombs, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then like there's and it's so funny because you see that constantly. Yeah. Especially around election season. Yeah. You see that constantly. People just standing on the street corners screaming, you know, what were you going to vote for? Because it might lead to... I mean, that's just hysterical to me because nobody ever changed anybody's mind no. standing on the street, street corner waving no. a sign. No. 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 And, and, and that's, the, that's the thing is that a lot of people see that and see Jesus. Because yeah. they that's the don't know any Jesus better. That's the that's the translation that is the translation of the Bible yes. that they're reading. Yeah. Yes, is the angry one. Yeah. So who are we to be? No, yeah. like right. we need to be that love translation. Right. Yeah. Are, so good. Are we like? Are we going to be the the King James version? Or are we going to be you know, <laughs> some of the weaker ones? Yeah. New Living Translation. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys. Just just so you know, I sometimes read the New Living Translation. Just saying. <laughs> and I don't value her any less. Uh, there was no sarcasm in that either. <laughs> and um, and that, that's the thing too is that like you see those those people on the street corners and yeah. screeching and all that, 
the the view of people outside the church is really uh it, it's a branch off of how people are within the church because if they're not getting the correction that they need within the church they're just going to go back out and perpetuate the thing or even worse they're hearing unsound doctrine yeah. and going out and telling people about this yeah and that's you know that's a tricky situation too and you know I think allowed behavior, I, I, if you know me, I say that a lot. Allowed behavior, if you allow something to continue and to happen, um, you've, that's the culture you've decided to create it. Right. To create within your organization, within your, if it's a business or if it's a church, it's, it's what you've allowed and it's going to cultivate and it's going to grow and then it's going to, that it continues on. Right. Um, and a lot of people, I feel, get that whole, you know, well, I'm not the one doing it, so it's not my business. It's like, but you're still responsible for what, like, if you're allowing it to happen. If you're if you're a shepherd, yeah, and your sheep keeps killing other farmers' sheep, yeah, you're like, well, I'm not killing it. It's like, no, but you're still responsible for that sheep. Yeah, like, yeah, you're still responsible for that. Keep keep him in the pen, like, because yeah. they're, they're killing everyone else out there. Yeah, protecting her. I mean. We just bought homeowners insurance and they ask you if you have a dog because if something happens that your dog mm-hmm. hurts somebody, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm responsible for it. Zeke would never do that. No. <laughs> Sweet boy. <laughs> sleep under the bed right now. Yeah. Yes. I think I, I mean I can jump on an, an allowed behavior, you know, soapbox. I, I'm an operations manager, so within business, if you allow something to continue, whether hey, that's not a hard and fast rule, but maybe it should be. Like, mm-hmm. should we talk about that, right? And so, but maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe, right. you know, there are things that shouldn't shouldn't. Uh, yeah, and that's... That it goes, depends on the culture you want to create. Yeah, it's, it's all, you know, policy versus procedure. Yeah. Like, policies, yeah, business, yeah. policies shouldn't change. Procedures change. Yeah. So, what's what's the policy of a church? Be Jesus on the earth. <laughs> yeah. But what's their procedures? Yeah. What's the procedure on how to do that? Yeah. Is it feeding the hungry? Is it clothing the poor? Is yeah. it, you know, going on national syndicate news and saying, you know, God hates insert demographic. Yeah. Like, no. That's, <laughs> that, but that's, their, that's their church's procedure. And that's how they think that they're, you know, converting people. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's silly. That's just, it's just silly. Yeah. So there has to be accountability within the Definitely. There, and it, the accountability in any organization starts at the top. Yeah. It's the, the senior, ad, senior person in charge, yeah. all their minions, <laughs> He's a minion. elders, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> peons. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard an elder be compared to a minion. No, before. me. It's because those darn despicable movie movies has ruined the term minion. <laughs> that's and, funny. That's and true. So, and but the, that's the thing is that yeah, you have true. all I can see is yellow hat. Me and too. Whoever, like, <laughs> and a little like walking. So it, yeah. and honestly, all those yeah. people are reflections of the above. Yeah. And so, if you have members within your, you know ranks that are not being the Jesus that they need to be in regards to what your church's missions are, then it's up to the next higher up to be like, listen, cut it. 
Yeah. Stop it now. But not kick them out because your mom, no. I mean, we go back to that. I mean, your mom was kicked out More essentially. Lucky. Yeah. Because of, of being late. Mm-hmm. And so there is the way to like Jesus did at the well to do, Hey, I'm pointing this out. I'm showing you what right. you, what you done, what you're living, what you're choosing to, to walk in daily and let's now turn and repent. Like, let's right. so Lena, what are you going to do about right. it? And giving them the choice to. Right. And even if it's like just something like stepping away temporarily to get your mind right. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying, you know, do the, you know, the Nazis did like re-education training. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like that's not what I'm afraid. <laughs> no. Sorry, I went history on that one. Yeah, but, like, but essentially, <laughs> like, that's, but there's, or I'm sure there's churches that do that. Oh, my goodness. They have re-education training no. so you follow the church's law no but you know and, that, and that's the thing is that you get to a point where eventually you have to make those corrections and it took me for the yeah out of love yeah and you know and that that's a that's a big thing is that a lot of times people are in positions purely based off the fact that there's no one else to fill that position. Mm-hmm. And that ties a lot into what I call, you know, talent versus calling. Mm-hmm. Like, and I I've heard before and it, you know, it hurt me when I first heard it is just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're called to do it. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, I'm good with my kids. I'm not good with other people's kids. <laughs> I'm going on a limb to saying I hate other people's kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, don't hate. <laughs> I don't. I strongly dislike other people's children. <laughs> but um, but that's the thing is that am I going to be involved in children's ministry? No. Deny. No. <laughs> like you didn't even like wait. No. <laughs> no Jess, Jess doesn't even want me involved in teens. Um, <laughs> no. If my kid, my my son walked in on Sunday at Ryan taught on Sunday at our church, and he was like, "That's the best lesson I've heard in so long." So he's just being nice. No, he was not. He doesn't do that. <laughs> he's a teenager. Yeah, um, but that, but again, that's the calling. What did is you that, say? <laughs> like, um, like just because you have a good voice or you sound good playing an instrument, it doesn't mean you're called to do yeah. it. And unfortunately, like especially for you know music and like worship ministry you get a lot of people who are good musicians but a good musician playing a worship song is a person playing a song yeah a good worship person playing an instrument makes it a worship song yeah and worship causes people to focus more when it's good and i've been to concerts where i've heard heard good music yeah but it's been you know you know hearing good worship music is something that i have to seek for yeah a lot of times and you know it's about the heart and i can't worship properly when i'm playing an instrument because my job is to help other people worship better Yeah. yeah and i can't worship freely if i'm worried about hitting a wrong note yeah because the moment I hit the wrong note <laughs> is the moment 300 people in a congregation look at you and say, whoops. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> so let's redirect back up. Yeah. Here's the right note. Bing. Yeah. Um, but it's already broken. 
Yeah. And so I can't, I have to hold myself accountable and knowing the song, playing the notes properly. And if I don't like, and I've, I've been through my fair share of moments where I've hit every wrong note I could possibly hit. And I walk away and I'm just like, well, that was awful. I didn't feel like I connected. I didn't enter the river of <laughs> worship. Down to, oh, can't sing. Yeah. Way to get demonetized. That's not allowed. Um, but I, I wasn't able We're to enter positive. the flow of worship yeah. because, you know, my earphones weren't working. Yeah. I, my fingers, you know, were on opposite hands that yeah. day. And then you hear, I hear people come up to me like afterwards, like, Oh, that was so good. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, was it? Like it wasn't, it wasn't for me, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. And you were able to overlook my flaws and it like, it hurts. Cause like I, it's rare for me to have like a worship service where I, like that I'm playing in that I walk away feeling like that was good for me. Yeah. And so that's, that, that comes into play with the whole daily bread. Yeah. If I'm having a crap worship service every Sunday, and I'm not saying I do, but I'm saying if I have a crap worship service every Sunday and then no good worship service throughout the week, then I'm just going to be perpetuating the crap. Yeah. That's why worship it's it's a relationship, your relationship with God. That's why we have this podcast mm-hmm. because of we're kicking religion out the window right. and, and, and talking about relationship with God. And that isn't a daily thing. And worship is a daily thing. And platform worship is not the same. Not at all. Not yeah. the same. I'm not called to platform worship <laughs> to be super clear. I mean, I'd rather be on the floor, literally on the floor than I would be on the stage holding a microphone. And I think, um, that if I didn't have my personal time on the daily, mm-hmm. I couldn't even do the platform. I, mean, I would just sing a song. Right. And then, and for me too, like I have been a big, uh, anti contemporary worship. Really weird. I didn't I'm, even know that. Right. The sarcasm. <laughs> um, I, I can't stand it. I know I, you can't. I, you know, you've heard my soapbox on the issue of, you know, everything sounds the same. Yeah, it does. And it, it's just not my genre of music. That's okay. And that is okay. And but it's if it that's the genre for the congregation or the right. crowd that I'm playing in front of, right? Then so be it. I'll play the notes. Yeah. I'll play along <laughs> so that other people can have their moment with God. Yeah. It may not be me having my moment with God. I might get in there every now and then, you know, yeah. dip my foot in the waters. Like, okay, it's not as terrible as I thought it would. Then I hit a wrong note. And I'm like, nope, just as bad. Time to get out. <laughs> but then, like, I need to take my, you know, phone when I'm on long car rides and yeah. listen to my Christian death metal. It exists, people. It exists. <laughs> um, but that's the genre of music that I grew up listening to, like yeah. that style. So I hear, you know, the pop-influenced contemporary worship of the now, and I'm just like, yikes. And then I hear the, you know, my version of worship, and I go do that. But I need that on my own so that I can climb back on my my altar every Sunday to play the music that other people need. 
Like it's God, not always about you. It's not always about me. It's yeah. never about me. Yeah. It's about him. Yeah. yeah. And I think that happens with, it's not just worship to be no. clear. No, no. We, we went on worship for a little bit here, but that happens to anybody who serves within the church. Yeah. The reality is, is while we're serving, we're not the ones that are, that are, it's feeling, not about us. It's not about us at that point. Um, so we all have to make sure that we are taking care of that at home. Yes. <laughs> daily bread mm-hmm. so that we're not expecting that just at church and the whole calling versus talent like yeah just because you're, you're just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you're called to do it um yeah and that goes for you know it's not even just worship it's you know people that are on the prayer teams because you want you know died in the wool prayer warriors yeah on those prayer teams you don't want the people that are just like mm, lord let your will be done and that's it. Like, <laughs> some people need more than that sometimes. Yeah. Also, I'm a big proponent, and you can actually influence God's will with certain prayers, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> um, but even so, like the whole praying for yourself versus others, too. Um, my wife's family is real, like, they're fairly, like, they're really strong prayer warriors. Yeah. And they are, you know, someone says, I need you to pray for me. They're on it. They're they are on it praying for themselves yeah, or praying for others. <laughs> they are on it, but they always pray for each other. And it's never, um, uh, like when was the last time you prayed for yourself? Mm. It's like, Oh, I'm not that selfish like that. And like, and that's the feeling that you get sometimes is that like, why would I pray for myself? Like I just, and I, I feel like that's really important. And it, I, it terrifies me to pray for others. I'm really good at praying for myself. <laughs> me too. I'm really good at praying for myself. It terrifies me to pray for others because especially like if I'm praying for like correction or something for someone else, because I know that the first thing God's going to do is not correct that person it's going to correct my perception of that person. Yep. <laughs> and I ain't ready for that. Yeah, because he's <laughs> after your heart. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's that's what terrifies me completely about it was that, like, yeah, I'm really good at praying for myself. I'm not so great at praying for others. And it's because I'm afraid that what I pray for for someone else, God's going to be like, even if I don't know about it, yeah, God's going to bring it to light. He's going to be like, hey, but you have that problem too. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we're not talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's any any relationship. I mean, back to he's a relational God and it is a relationship. If you have a one-sided relationship where all, um, if all I'm doing is talking to Marky about me and my problems and all, and all she's doing is listening, right. right? Like that's not real a real relationship. A yeah. relationship is a give and take. And so I think you can't, it's easy to swing one way or another in your relationship with God and pray for yourself or just pray for others. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's like with anything in life, it's yeah, easy to swing. Yeah. One way or another, mm-hmm. but it's a relation thing. And then you have to shut up and let him talk too. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a time where you just go, okay, God, I'm not asking you for someone else. I'm not asking you for me. Mm-hmm. I am going to listen to see what you have to say. Right. And so that is why I, that is one of the reasons that I run because I cannot get my brain to shut off long enough yeah. for God to talk to me. Mm-hmm. So my way of being still 
Yeah. Is running. It's running. Because there's nothing more not mind numbing than running. See? It works. <laughs> you get it. By the way, everyone listening, if you start your day out with a run, you can guarantee it won't get any worse than that. <laughs> so uh, so the, day, the day only goes up from there. Is it that what you're saying? Right. So, yeah, again, the whole you know, praying for others versus uh, yourself, it, it, it just falls in line with that whole, you know, judge not lest ye be judged. A lot of people, you know, take that as you shouldn't judge me because then you can be judged when in reality it's the measurement in which you judge someone is the same measurement that's going to be used to judge you by a much higher authority (laughs) (laughs) and yeah so you have (laughs) for real and that's why like it's, it's hard for me to pray for other people for you know like correction and stuff like that because you know if i want them to be you know, more correct than they've ever been in their entire life. God's going to be like, all right, let's have some fun. <laughs> How correct are you willing to be? God, we're not talking about me. We're talking about them. They're the jerk. And then, then God's just like, no, how about maybe we fix you first? And yeah. then you might realize that they're not being the jerk. Yeah. And like, but then that validates them. <laughs> And makes me feel bad, and then but that's that's the whole thing. Is that like you need to you need to have both. You yeah. need to be able to pray for others because people are going to come and ask you to pray for them. Yeah. Especially if they think you have all your stuff together, they're just going to be like, "I want what you have. Can you pray for me?" <laughs> well, I don't even know what I have. So. <laughs> and so you, we already established in podcasts earlier, like none of us have it together. <laughs> no, not at all. And anyone who claims that they do have it together is wrong. Is. is just flat out wrong. And, you know, those are the people that, you know, stay away from. No, I'm just, kidding. <laughs> just put it this way. Everyone's Christian when the toilet's clogged. <laughs> right? We've all seen the water rise. We're like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> picking, up all the, so picking up so all the floor true. mats. That happened to me at church once. Oh. No lies. <laughs> yeah. But uh, again, like once, but like the whole praying for yourself versus others and judge not unless you be just like once, once God corrects you, like know that even if the correction has come about like from like sin or whatever, that it's already been forgiven. And I'm a big proponent in not asking for forgiveness Mm -hmm. because you've already been forgiven, but simply recognize that you have been forgiven. Accepting it. And accept it. Because again, like. I'm a firm believer in everyone's saved. Not everyone accepts it. Yeah. And it took me a while to understand how, you know, the foreverness of the forgiveness, mm-hmm. because it's, it's past, present and future. Yeah. Right? It's everything you've done, everything you're doing yeah, and everything you're going to do. And it, it's hard because as humans, we don't like to forgive anything <laughs> ever. It's you hurt me now stay away. <laughs> but and, and then and that's a big thing is that like you hurt me, you stay away. And then it becomes easy to blame that person or whatever mm-hmm. for things going wrong. And it's just it you need to understand that even if it is yeah, the fault of something or whatever, forgive. Like yeah. if you and I've I've talked to youth recently about this. If you can't forgive someone, and God has already forgiven them 
then you're implying that your judgment is better than God's. Yeah. Which is a big problem because, uh, no, it isn't. Yeah. And who do you think you are? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I'm sure there's, you know, there's things that people haven't forgiven me about what I can, what I imagine they are. I don't know, but if you're gonna, and this circles back to praying for one uh, self versus others, if you pray for someone to forgive you and you're not willing to forgive someone else, you're negating your own forgiveness hmm. because of the measurement in which you do will be done to you. Yeah. And unforgiveness is like, it's chains on yourself. It's a poison. Yeah. It's a complete poison. Well, it's, unforgiveness is yeah, poison. I, <laughs> yeah. I, that's what I said. I thought um, forgiveness I, sometimes feels like a poison. <laughs> Yeah, not wrong. Um, but yeah, unforgiveness is, is a poison. And it's like you think you're poisoning somebody else. I, I've heard that. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've heard that. But you're really poisoning yourself. And um, it is something that gets inside your heart. And God is looking at the heart. Mm-hmm. We've said this over and over. He's looking at the heart. And, and so it's so important for you to um, let people off the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, because you would want to be let off the hook, mm-hmm. like you just said. And and not only that, but like the whole... Uh, like. It says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God hardened Pharaoh's heart after Pharaoh had already hardened his heart against the Hebrews. Mm. And so it's one of those things where God will hold you into that, in that place until you realize, Oh crap, I've been forgiven. I need to forgive them. Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing is that you can't hold on to like resentment at all at that. Like I haven't seen my father since June of 2009. I haven't, I flat out haven't seen him. He came to my graduation. He was invited, but it was unannounced because we didn't get any notification that he wanted to go. He showed up to my graduation. I gave him a hug. I said, you could have (laughs) called. And he's like, I tried to call. I'm like, no, you didn't. You lived in the same house for 20 years. There's no way you didn't have the phone number. So you didn't call. And so he up and left. But the year prior to that, he came to me when I had the worst bout of uh, food poisoning that I had ever had. Like I'm on the couch, completely incapacitated. And he showed up out of the blue. Hmm. And it had been the first time I'd seen him in months, maybe a year at this point. And he goes, hey, I'm moving to Tennessee. I'm like, uh, when? He's like, in like a week. I'm like, just go. And the thing's like, he was never there really for me growing up. Uh, it, and it was just like, we spent time with him. Like, we were there every other weekend kind of deal. But then that was it. Like, it was just every other weekend at dad's house, whatever, whatever. And then sometime around the age of like nine-ish for me, my sister stopped going. So it was just me and him, but we never really did anything. Like we just hung out at his house and then I went home. Yeah. And so like he, he was never like, he was never good with money. He never, you know, cleaned the house. Like he just, it wasn't, he wasn't meant to be a father. Yeah. And it took me having kids to realize that being a father is a calling. 
<laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, some people understand that it's a calling and that's they seek to be a father. Yeah. I wanted to be a father because I wanted to be a father, but I didn't understand that you have to have a calling. You have to have the ability to be a father. Am I saying I'm a good father? <laughs> Not like there's, there's things that I can improve upon. All fathers can understand that, but I understand now having been a father, he was not supposed to be a father. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He was a good friend. He might have been a good boyfriend, but he was a terrible husband and a passive father. Like, not, he wasn't outright like abusive, but he was inattentive. It, it, it just, we were there. Yeah. And Hard. so. And it took me a while. Like, my sister still haven't forgiven him mm. for anything. But I had to realize that I had to forgive him because now having been a father, yeah. I realized he was never supposed to be a father. Mm. So it just nice. happened. It just happened. He happened to be the father of three kids, but he was still very much a child himself. Yeah. He might have matured in the 13 years since I've seen him. I don't know. I've tried to reach out to him, got no response back. Fine. Whatever. But I can still forgive him. Yeah. And be like, yeah. listen, I know, you know, I doubt he's gonna listen to this because he doesn't even <laughs> <laughs> if you're there, talk to me, Daddy. <laughs> no, but like I like I have to forgive him for that because yeah. there's gonna be things that I do to my children that they're gonna forgive me for. Yeah. But it may have devastated their whole <laughs> they might have devastated their whole day, but you know they'll wake up the next morning. Good morning, Daddy. Where are we going? Like, okay, they've forgiven me, so I can't hold on to something from someone who did what he thought was right because he wasn't supposed to be a father. Yeah. So that's forgiveness, and the only way that I came to that like to that realization was that. I've got I've got massive problems with father figures, like just in general. I don't like them. Um, you need some counseling. I might, <laughs> but am I willing to admit that? Hmm. You just did. You said I might. Yeah, but there's still an. It's on a recording. Well, we're just gonna delete that. <laughs> Shame. Like, leave it in. <laughs> but I have to like I, I reading the Bible. Like God forgave, forgives, 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 forgives. Yeah. And, you know, God forgave the Hebrews after 3,000 times of rejection. (laughs) I can forgive that man for the 12 or so things he might have done. Yeah. Yeah. Including not being there for me. Yeah. So I'm like, that's, I'm for my kids. That's why I care about my kids. I don't care about anybody else's kids. (laughs) I care for my kids (laughs) because I don't want my kids to have the relationship that I have. With father figures. Yeah. And so I have to read my, I have to get my daily bread because on the daily I'm getting corrected for things. You know, I'll pray for my kids to be corrected. And then God's just like, or do you need to give them more grace? God, I'm not talking about me. (laughs) Sanctification. (laughs) And that's that's the thing. It's like, you have, like I have to do that. And I'm a continuous work in progress on trying to be 
I'm not trying to be the best dad in the world because I cannot be and I should not be, but I can be the best dad to my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all I need to do. And the start of that is being accountable to what I'm teaching them and to be authentic to them and to have, you know, integrity and not be a hypocrite. And, you know, I'm trying to teach my children how to be good with money. I can't teach my children how to be good with money if I'm not being good with money. Yeah. So. And it's being the best you. Yeah. Because God didn't make, it's not an accident that you're sitting here, right? Like it's on purpose. No, I'm the youngest of three. I'm the finally got it right. (laughs) But but God, God created you with a purpose and he, and who you are is your his. Mm -hmm. And if you are the best Ryan that you are supposed to be, if you, um, it's about your heart again. Mm. And if your heart is right with God and, and you're following and you're doing your daily bread, then they're going to see that the kids are going to see that. And then they're going to be the best. I won't say mm. your kids names on a podcast, but they're going to be the best little kids mm-hmm. that they're, and then they're going to be the best grown ups that they're supposed to be because mm-hmm. they're seeing their daddy and their mommy mm-hmm. and their aunts and uncles and everybody around them do that as well. Yeah. And I mean, if I get a vote, I think you do a pretty darn good job. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's because you don't see where I am at home. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Authenticity, people. Stop it. <laughs> we, we, all, we all have that, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's called real life. Yeah. You know what I think is really crazy, though? What? So Ryan took a whole bunch of stuff yeah. that he was talking about. He made his own outline, right? Yeah, he did. And so a lot of it had to do with stuff that we've already spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. And he's... R- like right away leading us into the next couple topics. Yeah, I, I heard that too. That's what I do. <laughs> I think. I he did he not see know. the topic list, no. I promise. We have a list prepared that's <laughs> been prepared for a while, and yeah, he led us right in. But uh, does that show that God's also talking to me about what you guys are trying to do and yeah. leading people? Well, Absolutely. That God, that Stay God's, tuned. Yeah, that, that God's in us. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. God is right here. Yeah. I said your word. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> You have to say right now. Just say right. 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 Good job. Good job. Good job. Lol. All right, guys. We had our first guest. Oh, we totally did. And it was so awesome. It was. We kind of talked about a lot of different things. Yeah. And I think what's really kind of cool is what Ryan doesn't know is he like, well, I think he's been listening to the podcast a little bit. Okay. So he realizes that he touched on a lot of the stuff that we've spoken about already. But what he doesn't know is he actually introduced like our next few podcasts too. Yeah. Without even knowing our list that we've had for a while. (laughs) Yeah. The list that we've had since the very beginning. Yeah. When you're like, hey, Marky, I think we should start a podcast. And I'm like... Do we have anything to say? And then we had a list of like, I don't know how many topics we're up to. I don't, I think we have more than a, more than a year's worth because there were so way too. more than 52. I think so too. <laughs> I, would, I think so too. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think we have more than a year. We have a lot of topics. Because yes. that was our first thing we did. We're like, let's make a list. Could, will we have enough to talk about? Right. And we're like, okay, we do. Because we had to make sure. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah, we really appreciate you. you joining us. Yeah. Um, and I know all of our listeners appreciate you as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ryan your your opinions and your expertise yes like because of your degrees what you brought thank you so much for coming on yeah and guys i guess this is time for us to say join us next week as we kick religion out the door and we talk about conflict resolution 
here on Raw.